Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to another edition of our Thursday night Parashat HaShavua class. Tonight we are studying Parashat Shemini. Vayhi Bayom HaShemini. The Parashat deals extensively with the laws of um, Tumat Taharan as well, that of Kashrut. Um, more known for the laws of Kashrut and the forbidden foods and permitted foods that we are allowed to eat. However, one of the ideas and notions that are discussed at the start of the parasha is that of a sheretz. A sheretz literally just means an insect or a creepy crawler that is inherently tamand and impure and is actually one of the higher levels of impurity that a person can attain if he was to come into contact with a sheretz. Um, we see this term quite often throughout the Sefer Torah, the concept of Sheretz, and most of it is found in Parashat Shemini. The prohibition against not only touching a dead Sheretz, but as well as eating a Sheretz, is found in Perk Yud Aleph Pasuk Mem Dalid, and this is what the Pasuk says, And you shall not make your souls impure through any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am Hashem who brings you up from the land of Egypt. To be a God unto you. And you shall be holy. For I am holy. So this is the commandment to avoid eating shratzim or creeping uh, insects. The Gemara in Masachet Baba Metziah uh, notes that there seems to be a mention of the fact that Hashem took the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. What exactly does that have to do with the prohibition of eating a sheretz? Um, there are a lot of mitzvot that are in connection to Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. Shabbat is one of them. Uh, that's why we say Kiddush, Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. Tzitzit, Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. Each one have their own reason, but this one seems a little bit odd. And so the Gemara addresses that. The Gemara says, Yetziat Mitzrayim de Katav Rachmana Gabesh Ratzim Lamali. For what purpose did HaKadosh Baruch Hu mention the exodus of Egypt in connection with the prohibition of eating creeping things? So Gemara answers, Lekidetana Debe Rabbi Ishmael, in accordance with that which was taught in the school of Rabbi Ishmael. Okay, Detana Rabbi Ishmael. For it was taught in the school of Rabbi Ishmael, God said, Had I not brought the Jewish people out of Egypt, except for the only purpose for them to learn this law, that they should not contaminate themselves by consuming creeping creatures, like from the word Dayenu, it would have been enough. I would have been satisfied. Unbelievable statement here, the Gemara is saying. Uh, the Torah has 365 negative commandments. 365 negative commandments. How do we understand the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us out of Egypt specifically in the merit of the, obser- of, of the observation and keeping this mitzvah against eating insects. How does that work? So that's what we're going to spend the evening explaining Bezrat Hashem with your permission. 
to to answer this question, we need to begin with another cryptic statement found in the Gemara, different Gemara, Masechet Eruvin, Dafyu Gimelamud Bet. There the Gemara says, Tana, it was taught, a Abraita taught, Talmid Vatik Haya Beyavne, that there was a distinguished student in the Academy of Yavne, Sheaya Metaher et Hasheretz, who was able to purify the insect, this sheretz, with 150 reasons. This student was able to purify the sheretz with 150 reasons. So what exactly does this mean? Again, a very cryptic statement. So one of the explanations as to why this student had specifically 150 ways to purify the sheretz, not more, not less, is based on this idea that there are 50 gates of understanding which were created in the world. We call this Chamishim Sha'arei Bina. The 50 gates of Bina were created in the world. And it's brought down the Gemara Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Ve'kulam nitnu lemoshe chaser echad. All of them except one, so that would be 49, were given to Moshe. Moshe was just a little bit less than Kilu Akadosh Baruch Hu. He was Akadosh Baruch Hu attains all fifty. Moshe Rabenu just a little bit less. Now, when the rabbis told us that Moshe Rabenu didn't receive the fiftieth gate, they didn't mean that he didn't understand any of that gate. It's impossible to consider or to think that the that Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the deliverer of the Torah Kedoshah, had no comprehension and no understanding whatsoever in one of the levels of Torah. Impossible. What it means is that unlike the first 49 gates, Moshe didn't comprehend the entire 50th level. He only comprehended part of it. And the same is true for every Jew that studies Torah. They merit to understand some fraction of the 50th level, until Bezrat Hashem, the time of Mashiach, the future time, when we'll all be able to under, understand that 50th level. We haven't gotten to the number 150 yet. We just know right now that there are 50 levels. There's additional well-known principle that the Torah can be explained and understood on four levels. We've mentioned this before in this class. The four levels are known as pardes. Pardes stands for Pei is Peshat, that's the plain meaning. Reish is Remez, that's the hinted meaning. Dalit is Derash, which is the homiletic meaning. And Samech is Sod, which is the esoteric mystical meaning, or the Kabbalah. So based on this, the three levels, the three higher levels, Remez, Derash, and Sod, each contain 50 levels of of understanding, 50 gates of understanding. There are 50 levels of Remez, there are 50 levels of Derash, there are 50 levels of Sod. Altogether is 150 levels. The lowest level, which is the Peshat, which is the literal simple meaning of the Torah, only contains one gate. There's only one gate of understanding. All the other three have 50 gates, but the Peshat has one gate, because when it's all said and done, there's really only one way to follow the Torah. 
the Torah tells us, Torah achat umishpat echad yelachem, that there's one teaching and one judgment. So this is why specifically the student came up with 150 ways to purify the sheretz. On the pshat level, on the simple understanding, there's no way to purify the sheretz. The sheretz, like we started the class, this insect is innately impure. It's impossible. The Torah tells us, Asur. This Torah is very clear. You are tamev. if you touch a sheretz or if you eat a sheretz. However, on the other hand, if you get involved in the 150 levels of remez, drash, and sod, God forbid a person can be misled by the yetzara, the evil inclination, to conjure up 150 different ways to purify the sheretz using a different approach at each level of understanding. Um, and, and, and by doing so, you attempt to permit something that is prohibited, and this is, in essence, what this man, this Talmud, in, this, in the school of Yavne, was trying to do. This is why we are taught that a Jew has to fulfill the mitzvot of the Torah based on simple belief, without any complicated calculations. Uh, the is said in the name of uh, Rav Elimelech of Lejint, the Noam Elimelech, who explained the Gemara in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara says, Lama tok'in? Why do we blow the shofar in Rosh Hashanah? Rachmana amar tak'u. Simple. Because Hashem told us to do so. Meaning, after all the deep comprehensions, intentions, Kavanot, uh, you know, calculations that you come up with shofar, gematria, this, this, this. In the end of the day, the reason why you blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah is because God told you to do so. That's the simple way. That's what He wants from us. It's a basic understanding that I'm doing something because God wanted me to do it. I told, I asked my students once, what do you think is better, Nike or Adidas? At the time, Adidas was a very popular brand. Everyone rose around Adidas, Adidas, Adidas. That was like the the more, um, I guess, important shoe. The one that was, you know, had such more influence on them, I guess, in that stage of their lives. And I told them I, that, I disre- that I disagree with them respectfully. That I think Nike is the way to go. And they're all looking at me like, where is this guy coming from? This rabbi is telling us which shoe is better. Why is Nike better? I said, because you got to look at their slogan. You got to look at their slogan. The slogan for Adidas is impossible is nothing. Meaning that that you got to, you, you know, if you, if you don't achieve everything, then, you know, you got nothing. Nike, it's just do it. Nike is very simple. You, you've, if you, even though you can't get there, even though you, you're, I'm, I, I don't think I can ever be this great, great, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I can. Just do it. Just start. Do the one law. So you, you blow the shofar because God told you to do so. You don't have all the kavanot, that's fine. Still blow the shofar. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, the Baal Shem Tov was quoted as saying that after all his kavanot and comprehensions regarding all the deep roots of the Torah and the mitzvot, he says, at the end of the day, all I grab onto is an emunah peshuta, is a simple belief, and I transform myself into a peti into a simpleton. And that's how I believe. That's how I believe. So the idea here is that a person who fulfills 
the mitzvot only on the deeper levels of remez and drash and so God forbid he's in danger and falling prey to that same yetzana that tries to purify the sheretz with 150 different ways. However, a person who is anchored in simple emunah and faith, believing in HaKadosh Baruch Hu for what he tells us to do, the basic faith which has been transmitted to us from generation to generation, that person is ensured that he will succeed in his Avodat Hashem without stumbling. Well, we're going to go deeper, of course, because that is generally what we tend to do in our Thursday night class. The Gemara then says something interesting. The Gemara says, Amar Rav Yehuda Marav, En Moshivin Besanhedrin, Ela Mishi Yodea Letaher Et Asheret Minatora. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, that we only appoint a rabbi to sit in the court of the Sanhedrin, if he's able to purify a sheretz, a purify an insect, according to biblical law. So this means that even a massive Talmud Chacham, who knew the entire Torah with complete clarity, could not become a member of Sanhedrin if he couldn't purify the sheretz through what, in essence, is a exercise in vain because it's not the truth. Now on this Gemara, Tosafot, Rabben Utam and Tosafot was bothered by this by this Gemara, and he says, he says the, the Tosafot says Vekashila Rabben Utam, this is so difficult. What value is sharp logic, which is absolutely false and meaningless? The Torah tells us clearly that the Sheretz is impure. So why am I only accepting a rabbi who has the ability to purify a sheretz from the Torah? What exactly does that mean? So the Kliyakar answers Tosafot's question. And he says the following. He says that that student in Yavne, who was able to purify the sheretz with 150 different ways, the lesson that comes to teach us is not to rely too quickly on our intellect. A tamin chacham must be very wary of permitting something for himself as he might just be convincing himself that this is the case because he has invested interest in the lineage ruling. It's all too easy to twist what a kadosh baruch Hu wants from us to permit something that is prohibited. And nothing proves this more than the fact that there's 150 ways to purify even the most impure insect. Maybe we can see and learn an allusion to this from what is said in Perkei Avot, in the fourth chapter. We're also studying the Perkei Avot, the ethics of our fathers during Pesach and Shavuot, between Pesach and Shavuot. And in the fourth chapter, Rabbi Rabbi Udanasi has a very famous statement that you've probably been uh, heard quoted before. Rabbi Omer, Al tistakel bakankan ela yeshbo. Don't look at the container, but rather what is within it. On a simple level, this means don't judge a book by its cover. Just because you don't like the outward appearance of something or someone, that doesn't mean that their inside is putrid as well. Uh, what counts is the inner essence of an individual, which is the neshama, not the goof, is what this person does on the inside. That is the simple way and the most understood way of 
taking in this Mishnah. But maybe what Rabbi Udan Nasi is hinting is similar to what we've been saying. Maybe he's hinting to the 150 ways of purifying the Sheretz. Being that the Torah prohibited the Sheretz, if the Torah tells us that the insect isn't allowed, then there must be 150 corresponding reasons why the Sheretz is impure. Canceling out the 150 reasons why the Sheretz is pure. So this teaches us that the intellect can be very misleading. The only way to reach the truth is through HaKadosh Baruch Hu's help. Maybe that's what Rabbi Yehudana is alluding to. Al-Tistakel Ba-Kan-Kan. The Kan-Kan is Kufnun Kufnun. 150 and 150. Don't get caught up in the 150 reasons to purify the Sheret versus the 150 reasons to declare it impure. But rather, look what's in it. Extract the lesson that it comes to teach. Remember the message of the student from Yavne. We cannot rely on the human intellect alone, but rather we have to pray to Hashem that He should enlighten our eyes and assist us in reaching truthful conclusions. So now we understand why it's so critical for the Talmud Chacham to have internalized that lesson before being appointed to the court before being appointed to the Sanhedrin, the head court, where he's going to be confronted with so many serious halachic questions, and he's going to come from left field, this, 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 to come up with a way that, that the, the, for leniency or, or astringency that, that he feels close to when it's unnecessary, when it's not the right way. Right? That's why it's so important, um, understanding how easily the Sheretz could be declared pure. That was a prerequisite for being appointed to the Sanhedrin. When you look at this whole thing deeper, and we will, you will realize um, that this has to do a lot with the original Nachash Kadmoni. The Nachash Kadmoni is the original snake that caused Adam and Chabad to fall and eat from the Etzadat. And it is, it is written that the Nachash Kadmoni also used the same 150 reasons to permit the Sheretz. And through that act, he was able and successfully bringing death to the world. The word Nachash, says the Megalea Mukot very famous, famously, that the word Nachash, the Nun in the letter Nachash, represents the 50, five zero, the 50 levels of impurity through which the Nachash caused Adam and Chavad to stumble. And when he did that, he injected his own impurity into them and all of mankind. And that impurity remained with the Jewish people right up until Har Sinai, at which point it stopped. Like the Gemara says, Yisrael she'amdu al Har Sinai paska zo'amatan. The impurity was removed from the Jewish people that stood at Har Sinai. That's why it's written regarding the Yetziat Mitzrayim, the exodus of Egypt, that Moshe, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu at the burning bush, when you will take the people out of Egypt, you're going to worship God on this mountain. The word ta'avdun, what is ta'avdun? Ta'avdun, you will worship, is comprised of ta'avdu and the letter nun at the end. Ta'avdu, nun. You will work on 50. You will work you will work during the 50 days of Sfirat Omer. You will work between Pesach and Shavuot. 
Right, Pesach, you left Mitzrayim Shavuot when you get the Torah between the exodus of Egypt and receiving the Torah to cleanse and purify yourself from the 50, from the 50 levels of impurity represented by the Nun of Nachash. Not only that, we know that the Nachash is the same as the Satan, is the same as the Yetzirah, and the same as the Malach HaMavet. That's what's brought down. So the Nachash, that snake, actually represents the Yetzirah, and, and, and it's actually alluded to in the name Satan. Satan, Sin, Tet Nun stands for Nun Sha'aretuma, the 50 gates of impurity, the 50 levels of impurity. These are amazing works from the Megalea Mukod. But we see clearly how this snake was able to, uh, w- w- caused Adam and Chavat to sin using the 150 reasons to purify the Sheretz. The Nachash, representing 50 levels of impurity, was able to combat the 50 levels of understanding for each. Uh, of uh, Remez, Drash, and Sod, 50 times 3. So he was able to create 150 reasons to permit the impure. That tree that was impure, he convinced them that it was indeed pure and therefore nullified the 150 reasons to declare it impure. And that's how the Nachash was successful. More than that, it's, uh, the Torah tells us in Parashat Bereshit, Ve'anachash haya arum mikol chayat that the, the, the Nachash was naked, literally means naked, but Unkelus, it doesn't make sense naked, Unkelus actually translates is that the snake was wiser than any beast of the field that Hashem had made. The Nachash was indeed wise, but he used his wisdom for the size, for, on the side of evil. Chachamim, Yirmiyahu writes, Chachamim hema le'ara ulativ lo yad'u. They are wise at doing evil, but no, but not know how to do good. This is how uh, they're described. The, uh, the, this idea is hinted again in the word nachash. Nachash is fifty share nun share chokhmah. So the nachash had the ability to attain fifty levels of wisdom. The problem is he took the fifty levels of wisdom and transformed it into fifty levels of impurity, on three levels. On three levels. So that's how he proposed. 150 reasons to pro- to permit the prohibited. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, if you're going to walk out of this class, it's pretty deep so far, but if you're going to walk out of this class with something, is what I'm going to say next. Maybe that's the reason why David HaMelech composed specifically 150 chapters of Tehillim. As we know, Tehillim is arguably the most widely used book outside of the Sidur and the Chumash. It's read by Jews all around the world who are in dire need of uh, salvation and for other things. And David HaMelech composed 150 chapters of Tehillim. The Arizal teaches us that David was a Gilgul, he was a reincarnation of Adam HaRishon, sent down to repair what Adam HaRishon uh, erred. And, you know, there's a famous Midrash that Adam was looking at the Book of Life throughout history and he saw that there was... Uh, you know, this soul that was missing years, and he gave 70 years of his own life to David HaMelech. Adam was supposed to live a thousand years, and he gave 70 to David, and that's why Adam only lived 930. And that's what David HaMelech, maybe he composed 150 chapters of Tehillim for this purpose. David HaMelech begins Tehillim by, by saying, Praiseworthy is a man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked 
uvderech hataim lo amad, or or stand in the path of the sinful, umoshav letzim lo yashav, and sat not in the session of scorners. Kim betorat Hashem chetzov toratoy yegeyomam v'laila, but rather his desire is in the Torah of Hashem, and the Torah mediates day and night. Look what the Midrash says on this opening pasuk of Tehillim. The Midrash Socher Tov writes, Medaber ba'adam rishon, that this is Adam HaRishon speaking. This is him talking. Amar Adam HaRishon, Adam HaRishon says, Ashreni im lo amati bidrachav shel nachash. I would have been praiseworthy if I didn't walk in the path of the snake. That's how Tehillim opens, praiseworthy of people who don't walk. He goes, I would have been praiseworthy if I didn't walk in that path. And I would have been praiseworthy had I not sat in the session of scorners. So David Melech, based on what we said, being the reincarnation of Adam Arishon, he saw fit to compose specifically 150 chapters of Tehillim. Why? Because Adam Arishon fell prey to the 150 reasons of the Nachash to permit the impure thereby allowing the Nachash to inject him with its impurity. And, and it was to repair this damage that caused David to compose his Tehillim. And forevermore, the Jewish people can recite 150 chapters of Tehillim to pray to Hashem to save them from the evil inclination and the 150 methods of tricking us. Let's go back to where we started. We started with the question of what is the connection between prohibiting the sheretz, the impure, creepy crawler, and that of Hashem saying, because I took you out of Egypt, and if it, I only took you out of Egypt for that one mitzvah, dayenu, daye, it would, have been, it would have been enough. So, to find a connection, we look back in Sefer Shemot. The Torah tells us, And it happened during those days, the king of Egypt died, and Ben Israel groaned because of the work. And the Midrash there says, What does it mean, What does it mean he died? He didn't really die, because he's still giving decrees. So Midrash writes, He became a leper. He attracted the disease of leprosy. And one who has leprosy, it's ke'ilu, he's dead. Look what the Midrash writes. Midrash says, Amru Mitzrayim. All of his sorcerers told Paro, En lecha you have no cure to this, unless you do one thing. Imlo nishchot Yisrael, Unless you slaughter 150 babies, kufnun ba'ere ve kufnun baboker, 150 in at, uh, at night and 150 in the morning, verachatz bedamehem shte pe'amim bayom, and bathe in their blood in the evening and morning. 150. In the evening, 150 in the morning, and bathe in their blood. This is the only way to cure yourself of the illness, Paro. This is what you have to do. It's how you're going to get better. Now, what's going on over here? Was it just made up? Is this nonsense? The Egyptians, is not nonsense. The Egyptians were very wise people. Shlomo Melech says in Sefer Melachim, the, 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 it's said about Shlomo Melech, Vatarov chokhmat shlomo mi chokhmat kol b'nei kedem mi kol chokhmat misraim. 
when Shlomo HaMelech became so wise, it specifically tells us it became wiser than the, the wise of Egypt. So they felt that this was a legitimate way for Parot to become better, to feel better, to bathe in the blood of the 150 babies in the morning, in the evening. This is what they're going to heal. What does this mean? Well, based on a famous idea that we've spoken about in the past by the Arizal, that the reason why the Jewish people suffered so terribly in Mitzrayim is because Adam Arishon ate from that tree of knowledge. And all the souls that were found within him were damaged. And those souls needed to go through a huge tikkun. And they went through many reincarnations until they were purified to the necessary degree. And again, we spoke about this. The first reincarnation was that, the generation of the flood. But they were still deeply evil and evil was rooted inside them so then they were reincarnated again in the form of the generation of the tower of babel who built a tower to wage against war against god but they were and they were so bad that god dispersed them across the earth and then again they were sent down and reincarnated a third time as the people the residents of the city of sedom and they also became corrupt and destroyed they didn't accomplish their mission and finally, they were sent down as souls of the Jewish people that found themselves enslaved in Egypt. And it was through the terrible hardships of the slaver Mitzrayim that, that these souls were expunged and cleansed. And we see this, the process of Yetziat Mitzrayim, corresponding to the sins of the flood, Paro decreed that all males be drowned in the river. As a retribution for building the Tower of Babel out of bricks, the Egyptians embittered their lives by requiring them to work with bricks and to build cities for them. And therefore, the reason that the Jewish people were to be enslaved, specifically by Paro, because Paro was the original snake, who caused the Jewish people to be damaged by the sin of the, of the Etzadat. This is based on the words of the Zohar. Paro is the image of the Nachash. Oh my gosh. So now, everything makes sense. Now we can begin to understand the advice of the sorcerers of Parol to kill 150 babies at a time to heal his disease. Not a coincidence. It is it's not a coincidence for 150. They did, the, the, the Egyptian sorcerers desired to arouse the evil judgment against the Jewish souls in Mitzrayim by tapping into the number 150. The number 150, like we explained, represented the trap of the Nahash that caused these souls to be damaged at the sin of the Chet Etzadat. And this becomes even more powerful when we remember that Paro himself represented the Nachash that brought about the terrible sin. And now, Rabotai, we are able to understand the depth and the teaching of that school of Rabbi, of the Be'er Rabbi Ishmael. In Malehe eleti et Yisrael mi Mitzrayim ela bishvir davar ze she'en metamein bashratzim daye. Had I not brought the Jewish people out of Egypt except to observe this one commandment, this one thing that they don't contaminate themselves by consuming creepy, creepy crawlers, I would have been satisfied. These souls were toiling in Mitzrayim. Why? Because they had been fooled by the 150 reasons that the Nachash gave to permit eating something which was really impure. There could be no greater repair for these souls than to what? To show their absolute denial, their insistence not to follow 
these 150 falsified claims by abstaining from eating the impure sheretz. By refraining from eating the sheretz, it demonstrates a complete and absolute, a total loyalty and commitment to the simple belief and emunah and bitachon in Hashem and His Torah, which we have learned is the foundation of the service of Hashem. It's not about the crazy ways of the remez, drash, and sol, because if you do that, you can fall prey to the yetzerara. He'll convince you otherwise to make you believe that something that is prohibited is permitted or vice versa. Just follow the pshat. And that's why the Chachamim tell us, The pshat, it has to fit according to the simple meaning because that's what we grab onto, that simple faith that whatever it's written in the Torah, we do. And that is the lesson. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu meant by teaching us this. This is what the Tanah de Be'er Ishmael, the, the Academy of Be'er Ishmael wanted us. If it was just for this purpose alone, it would have been all worth it. A gentle reminder not to forget to count the Omer. Last night was night number 11. If you haven't counted yet, do so. And of course, Keriyat Shema, being um, that it is now dark. Wishing everyone a wonderful evening and Shabbat Shalom.